Chapter Two of Upper Canada Sketches by Thomas Conant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two. There are moments, bright moments, when the spirit receives whole volumes of thought on its unwritten leaves, when the folds of the heart in a moment unclose, like the innermost leaves from the heart of the rose, and thus when the rainbow had passed from the sky the thoughts it awoke were too deep to pass by it left my full soul like the wings of a dove all fluttering with pleasure and fluttering with love upon the outbreak of the american revolution there were three brothers conants of the sixth generation from roger the pilgrim in massachusetts two of these took sides at once with the patriots and joined washington's army when that general came from Virginia and took command at Cambridge. One of them, Daniel Conant, was wounded at Lexington, April 19, 1775. The third, Roger, and the author's immediate ancestor, believed that the wrongs of the colonists would be righted in time by petition, and while expressing his sense of these wrongs, refused to join the Patriot Army. Copy of statement in Conant Genealogy, page 252, quote, The name of Roger Conant of Eelton appears on the muster roll of Captain Abiah Mitchell's company, which was down at the alarm, end quote. And Roger Conant served one month and twelve days as corporal in Scott's company of Ashley's regiment, quote, which marched from Westmoreland, Chesterfield, and Hinsdale to Ticonderoga, on the alarm of May ninth, seventeen seventy seven. End quote. Today, however, we all rejoice at the success of the colonies, and that the personal rule of King George the Third was terminated. The brothers met frequently and talked over current events. Among the reminiscences of these conversations, the following anecdotes have been handed down from father to son, and although they have no direct relation with Upper Canada, they may be worth repeating as showing a little of the personal character of some of the actors in the life of that time. Washington, when at Cambridge, was riding one day to a distant part of the field, attended by several of his aides and gentlemen of the New England colonies. On the way he met a mounted negro, who took off his hat and bowed very profoundly, showing his teeth and the whites of his eyes as he smiled and exclaimed, how are you, General? How are you? General Washington quickly lifted his hat, and though not halting his horse, replied courteously to the salutation. One of the New England gentlemen who accompanied him remarked to Washington, I wonder you take the trouble to salute that Negro. Washington replied, It would indeed be a hard matter if I had not as good manners as a Negro. The fortunes of war in 1777-80 to 80 brought the struggle to Valley Forge, just north of Philadelphia. Here the Patriot Army wintered in log cabins in the forest. Daniel Conant returned to his place in the ranks, and during the long winter met most of the inhabitants of the neighborhood. Among these was a fatherly Tory Quaker, who one day met Washington on foot, walking within the lines, looking sad and dejected. "'The British will hang thee, George,' said the Quaker. In a twinkling the great man revived, pulled down the collar of his coat, and saying, "'This neck never was made for a halter,' 
walked briskly away a few days after the quaker was walking alone in the forest while making his way he heard a voice being lifted up in prayer pushing the bushes aside in the direction of the sound he saw washington bareheaded and kneeling in the snow with upturned face and closed eyes asking the god of battles to preserve his little army and himself and to favor the right reverently the quaker waited until the general had ended his prayer then he stepped to his side as he rose and said george thee will succeed and conquer the british as to the character of washington there never were two opinions he seemed always to tower above all and every one at first when he came to new england they said he was disposed to find fault and look with doubt upon the new england levies time however corrected that and not a few of the revolutionary generals and leaders among them became known as genuine men john hancock the conant brothers did not care for saying that he went into the war mainly to avoid the heavy suits then pending against him for customs dues among the leading civilians they admired and revered john adams and benjamin franklin although they did say of adams that he was always finding fault with the british government and that he was offered lucrative offices in order to keep him quiet but he was not to be held general knox who was a boston bookseller they always spoke well of green and schuyler they thought were men who possessed real military ability and were high-minded gentlemen ethan allen and general putnam they thought brave men but not in possession of military abilities roger conant said of sir william johnson that quote, he was the cleverest man he had ever met he could manage both indians and white men end quote he had met brant also and always spoke of him as quote, one of nature's noblemen with a tawny skin end quote. general butler of butler's rangers and his acts were most frequently recalled words failed to express the abhorrence of this marauder and his acts roger conant had tarried in new york state when on his way to canada and knew something of the horrors of the civil war he had met butler and readily listened to tales told him in later years by a man who had been one of butler's rangers this man lived with roger conant as his hired servant he told him that he and others with butler in command had many times entered defenceless houses and murdered at the first instance the man and wife next the children were brought before the great gaping open wood fireplaces of those days and bayoneted the bayonet passing quite through their little bodies and were held over the flames that the soldiers might watch them squirm as he expressed it the man would also frequently call out in his troubled dreams when asleep such words as there they are don't you see them squirm bayonet that big boy acting over again the murderous scenes these stories were told the author by his ancestors many times as no fanciful picture on another occasion butler captured a small garrison of continentals in new york state who marched out and surrendered their arms one among them a former neighbor of butler's came to the gate and bade the major good day 
during the early period of the war this man had been enrolled among king george's levies but had never served stand out by that tree said butler and the man obeyed on the last man emerging from the garrison and surrendering his arms butler ordered half a dozen of his rangers to right about face present arms fire and his neighbor never breathed again during the early months of the war and its continuance the brothers conant met of an evening behind blinded windows and closed doors on canvassing matters thoroughly they came to the conclusion that the colonies would never succeed and that great britain would in the end wreak terrible vengeance on those in rebellion britain's name carried with it a sense of power and unlimited resources and roger conant could not make himself believe that she would ever let the colonies go as time went on too his position in massachusetts became a difficult one so he resolved to leave all and flee to canada he had been educated for the law and had attended harvard university he owned several thousands of acres of land both in massachusetts and new hampshire money was a scarce commodity then as every one knows who has read attentively the history of that struggle and for his large property roger conant could only get together five thousand dollars this with the aid of his brothers he obtained in gold and in seventeen seventy seven he set out from the vicinity of boston with his family their conveyance was a covered wagon drawn by two horses and following was an ox-team drawing a cart laden with household goods and farm implements his first stop was about the hudson river when there the commandant of that point asked him to look for a deserter from the american army a photographic reproduction of the captain's order is herewith given strange to say it is not dated but it was given in the year seventeen seventy seven from the records extant roger appears to have made some stay here some authorities say on land of his own which he sold later a quick claim deed is reproduced in facsimile conveying a valuable island on the new england coast reserving wood in a deed is peculiar and it is set forth in a singular way the charles annis mentioned in this deed was a relative of roger conan's and came to canada from massachusetts soon after him from him most of the annises in canada are descended leaving his family at geneva new york state roger conant came on to canada arriving at the locality afterward called darlington county durham ontario in october seventeen seventy eight the first crown grant of land to roger conant was made december thirty first seventeen seventy eight it consisted of lots twenty eight twenty nine thirty and thirty one in the broken front darlington also south halves of lots twenty eight twenty nine thirty and thirty one first concession darlington county durham in all about twelve hundred acres after building a house on his land and probably clearing some portion of it he returned to geneva what he did between this date and seventeen ninety four when he brought his family to canada is not known it is said that during these intermediate years he went to and from massachusetts several times in order to collect the proceeds of the sale of his property there it was during these years that it is said 
he lived among butler's rangers and from their deeds of violence learned to execrate their memory in seventeen ninety four he set out again stopping at genesee falls where rochester new york now is once the author asked why they did not remain there and was told that quote, it was only a black ash swamp and they did not want it end quote. governor simcoe's proclamation offering grants of land in upper canada to those who would come and occupy them hurried roger conant's journey arriving at the mouth of the niagara river and hiring a flat scow in which to ferry himself his family and effects over he landed at newark then the capital of upper canada while there he met governor simcoe who tried to induce him to go up young street to lands on lake simcoe but not relishing the idea of leaving the shores of lake ontario for the wilderness he refused the governor then asked him if he would fight against canada if trouble came roger's reply was no sir i will fight for the country which protects me and as we shall presently see he made good his promise by aiding the british cause in the subsequent war of eighteen twelve following the lake shore camping at night and fording the streams where they debouch they at last reached the site of york then a cluster of indian wigwams with a few houses in process of erection the river don being too deep to ford they hired indians to convey them over in their canoes the wagons were taken apart and so ferried across when they were put together again and the emigrants proceeded along the broken shores of the lake End of chapter two